So we are dismissing children for children's church. That's ages four through first grade. And you can head out the north door and follow Mr. Holty and crew. And Mrs. Holty and crew. Burger places serve are actually processed chicken. Excuse me, but what was that in there? It's chicken. No, chicken. Processed. But processed? That's like when they take a lot of chickens and assemble the respective parts. What parts? What parts? Different parts. Parts is parts. Wendy's chicken sandwich is pure boneless breast of chicken. Moist and perfect and not processed. As I hear tell, all the parts are crammed into one big part. Used. Yeah. Then the one big part is cut up into little pieces parts. And parts is parts. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. So perhaps I dated myself by showing that commercial, but that was out of the 80s. The Wendy's commercial, Parts is Parts. And so Wendy's was trying to show how they didn't just say the chicken parts that they used were, you know, just all mashed together. This restaurant said Parts is Parts. Well, when it comes to the human body, it doesn't work that way. We're not Legos where they have interchangeable Parts, nor does that work well in the body of Christ. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. So let me pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started in this morning's part of 1 Corinthians. Lord, we are grateful again for what you have done to purchase us for yourself to make us part of your body. And now as we look into your word, would you open the eyes of our hearts so we might see what you have for us and that we will indeed be the body of Christ in every sense of the word. Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray these things. Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. You see, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. The Corinthian church is a church that is overly concerned with spiritual gifts, especially probably one spiritual gift, that is perhaps the gift of tongues. They wanted to appear spiritual, and they wanted to have the right manifestation. And Paul is looking to correct their faulty understanding of what it is to have the Holy Spirit in them, to what it meant to be truly spiritual, and the use of spiritual gifts. And if you were with us the last two weeks, the first part of this chapter, we saw Paul give kind of a, a healthy frame, framework of, of these gifts and how the Holy Spirit manifested himself. It was a diversity of gifts. But all these gifts were given by the Holy Spirit. Number one, number two, was given for the benefit of all in the body. So along the lines of diversity, he employs this metaphor of the body, the human body. That of being like the body of Christ. And so there are some body realities, I call them, and we're going to be highlighting some of them. But the first one is the most obvious. The body is one. 
But it's made up of many parts. The body is one, and it's made up of many parts. Whether you're talking about the human body, or whether you're talking about the body of Christ, the church that is. However, entrance into this body of Christ is different than entrance into the natural body per se. In the natural body, it's what? It's maybe stem cells given information with DNA and then mitosis takes place and they grow into parts of the body. The entry point for the believer is obviously faith in Christ, but it comes through the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, it says, We were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. And then later on in the same verse, it says, We were all given one Spirit to drink. The Holy Spirit is essential for entrance into the body. The Holy Spirit is the divine change agent for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. He convicts you of sin. He causes you to believe. It is God's work in you, causing you to be born again, born from above, if you will, in order that we might be sons and daughters in order that we might receive all that Jesus has done. And, and Paul says we were baptized into the Holy Spirit. That is immersed in the Holy Spirit, if you will, outside in. And, you know, the sign of following Christ in the early church was to be physically baptized underwater. Now the question is, what took, pl- took place first? Was it the baptism underwater or is it the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's, it's really probably the Holy Spirit first, but it's hard to tell because when one would put their faith in Christ right away, they would be baptized. But again, it's that baptism, the Holy Spirit, that changes you, changes you that you would put your faith in Jesus Christ. And then there's a parallel image of being given one spirit so as to drink. The Holy Spirit has an impact, if you will, from the inside out. We were dead in our sin. We were doing it our own way. And Christ has to come into our body through the Holy Spirit and give us life. The only passage I can think of when we're talking about being given the Holy Spirit to drink is what Jesus was saying when he was in, in uh, John chapter 7 talking about giving people streams of living water, talking about giving the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit is the one, he's the great changer and there's no way we come into the body unless the Holy Spirit is at work in us, in our hearts. Also, the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. Look in the middle of the verse. It talks about people who are Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. See, no one has a leg up when it comes to entering into the body. It's not your national background. It's not your religious background. It's not your socioeconomic background. No one has anything to boast in. We all come to Christ through the Holy Spirit And that is grace. No one has any reason to feel more superior over another. Yes, it's a point of humility, but it's also a point of of unity. And so with this body reality in verse 14, it says the body is not made up of one part, but many. But again, parts is not parts. 
parts is not parts comparing to our commercial here. Each member in the body has a specific gift, a specific role, a specific um, position to play. And when we compare with each other what role we're playing or the gifts that we have, that can be a detriment. So this leads to our second body reality. A sense of inferiority does not exclude you from the body. Look at verse 15. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would for not that, that reason stop being a part of the body. Paul kind of enters into the, what I call the theater of the ridiculous with this, this metaphor now. Okay? Can you imagine this little mouth kind of popping out of your foot? Because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. Or the ear, you know? Because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. First of all, I'll be saying, where'd that voice come from? But <laughs> here's my point. I mean, it's like, your body parts don't talk. You may feel pain, but it doesn't talk. But in the church, we, individual parts of you, we do have a mouth, right? And we do say things like that. It's an expression of the heart, and we want to express our disappointment that we somehow are not a part of the body. But you know what? Even if you're saying that, that doesn't change the reality. Just as my foot can't say, I'm not a part of the body, look, it's not leaving me, and someone, unless someone cuts it off, right? That's pretty unhealthy, by the way. But my point is this. When you say, I'm not a part of the body because I don't have this gift, it doesn't change the the reality that if you are in Christ, you are a part of this body. You are a part of this body. However, herein lies the danger. In envying or seeking to play another role that you're not called to play, you may be withholding from the body what it really needs. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I'm a very talented man. I can pick up a fork with my toes. You know that? But to try and eat with that, that's difficult. And that's not what my feet are called to do. I can, I can do some things with my toes. I can even grab a pen and might even start writing something. It won't look very good. But that's because my feet were not designed for that. My feet were designed to walk and carry me. And when we try and be something that we're not, oftentimes, not only we're not doing something very well, but on the other hand, we're not fulfilling the role that we're supposed to. I shouldn't be trying to walk around on my hands. I shouldn't be trying to write or feed myself with my feet. Paul furthers this idea that's showing that sameness, now listen to this, sameness is not the same as the body. Listen to this, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If all were one part where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Here's the point. Diversity 
excuse me, unity without diversity is not the body. It's a monstrosity. Unity without diversity is not the body. It's a monstrosity. It's, picture this, it's this big, huge six-foot ear or six-foot eye. It kind of reminds me of Bill Cosby's The Chicken Heart That Ate New York, if you're old enough to remember that. But here's the point. It's, it's, it, it's, yeah, you may have a great ability to hear, you may have a great ability to see, but nothing else functions beyond that. That's a monstrosity. It's not the body. Because the body is functioning and being able to do multiple things. Multiple things. If Berean Community Church were made up of purely, and we do have a lot of leaders, and we do have a lot of, of people that are, are able to teach, if it was purely made up of that, we would be in a world of hurt. You know why? Because leaders are terrible followers, first of all. They are terrible followers. I was in a group of pastors the other day, and the guy was trying to lead us, and we were like herding cats. It was terrible. And we're, all, we're also all trying to figure out how to do it better than the leader, right? No, God has made us a body and given us different roles. And here also is the fact that God himself is the author of the body, verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. This placement is purposeful, it is wise, and sometimes it's beyond our figuring out. And sometimes we see God's wisdom much later than the initial moment. The flip side, though, of inferiority is superiority. And here's the third body reality. A sense of superiority does not exclude you from meeting other parts of the body. Pick it up at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul starts with what seems very obvious. Now the truth of the matter is, I guess if you know the body parts could speak, the eye could say to the hand, I don't need you. But as soon as it gets a speck or an eyelash or something greater in it, it suddenly realizes, it has a Dr. Phil moment of, how's that working for you? And it realizes that the hand is the best member of the body to address its need at the moment. No matter how gifted we are, how competent we are, how intelligent or how wealthy we are, none of us can say, we, I don't need the body. None of us can say, I don't need the body. And I want to tell you, dear friends, there are multiple members of the body who are out there saying, I don't need the body. And they're missing what the body, they're missing what Jesus wants to bring to them through the body. The problem is we tend to kind of size people up, right? We size them up by... You know, how mature they are, how talented they are, how gifted they are, maybe how spiritual they are. And we kind of size them up to ourselves and, and kind of decide, are they above me, below me, what have you. And if they're below us, 
or equals us, sometimes we say, I don't, I don't need them. I don't need them. And that's pride. That's pride. And God says he opposes the proud. Paul will say in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 3, he says, basically not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. And part of that sound judgment is knowing that you need the other members of the body. But then Paul kind of moves from this, you know, kind of this obvious solution that where, you know, this highly sensory part of the body needs this highly functional part of the body to something that seems maybe less obvious. Something that is more hidden. Seems less functional. Verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are presentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Now, all of us have parts that we cover up in public. And I think we're all grateful for that, actually. But the point, the point is this of this illustration. It is covered up. It is out of sight. It's behind the scenes. In the body of Christ, it's very easy to focus on the gifts and the roles that are visible, that are up front. The worship team, the pastor, the Sunday school teachers, even the ushers, if you will. But the things that we can see, they get the publicity. They kind of get the glory, per se. And it's easy to devalue roles that are behind the scenes, that are not visible, that are covered up. But here's the truth, and you saw it on that video we saw earlier with, with Justin, right? If those behind-the-scenes gifts, if those behind-the-scenes roles are not filled, the church falls apart. It falls apart. Folks, I am just one man that God has called to a specific role. But if everyone else doesn't fulfill their role, this church is completely dysfunctional. Completely dysfunctional. And I can't fill it. We need the whole body working together. And I see it every week. People faithfully cutting the grass. That may not seem like much, but boy, it looks nice and it's a very welcoming thing, right? People emptying the trash. If that wasn't happening, we'd know it. We'd smell it. Those who make coffee for Sunday morning, and some of you people need that. You'd miss it if it wasn't there. Those who work in the nursery and take your child and give them a safe place that they can hear about Jesus or at least be in an atmosphere where Jesus is the leader. Or an Awana listener. There's no audience there save for the Awana listener and the, and the person who's listening. I mean, who's reciting the verses. 
But that is an important part of our ministry here. Our children's church workers, we send them off and we don't see them until they come back. But they're being infused with the gospel and the things of God. And here's one other area I want to point out is my office staff. I want to tell you our office staff does things, including taking out the trash, by the way, that you do not see and makes connections in this church that you do not realize. And it is a blessing. And it's all behind the scenes. It's not seen. But if it doesn't happen, the body falls apart. But what Paul is basically trying to do, he's trying to turn what is important on its head. It's the kingdom of God ethos. That Jesus says the first will be last and the greatest will be the servant of all. And just as we give special honor to those parts that are covered in our clothing, we should give special honor to those members of the body that are behind the scenes. And we really do try and do that, especially at the end of the year, where we recognize, especially those who are involved in teaching, or behind the, with kids and, and things of that nature. But this is more than recognition. The healthy body is more than recognition. The body reality is the healthy body is the one where the members care for one another and are for each other. Look at verse 25. So that there should be no division among the body, but that its, start, it, that its parts should have equal concern for one another. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Sounds so similar if you were here a few weeks ago in Romans chapter 12, where Paul will say, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And then continue on in verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. You see, Paul is moving away from the gifts, the concern for the gifts, and moving towards the concern for the people. Away from the gifts Away from the concern for the gifts and away towards the concern for people. Not self-concern, not concern for those who are just like me or close to me, but equal concern for all those who are part of the body because we are part of the body together. We are part of the body together. We're looking out for one another because we're part of the same body. And if I'm suffering, it distresses you enough to care about that because I'm suffering because we're part of the same body and if you are honored then I can rejoice with that I can get excited about that I don't have to be disinterested or jealous because it's not happening to me but rather I can be excited because you're part of the body the same body that I'm a part of and since we're part of the body of Christ when part of the body is honored Jesus can be honored as well. You see, this is not a club. This is not a club to be a part of. This is a living organism, if you will. And we are doing life together. That's why we have life together groups. We need to have concern for one another, becoming alongside of one another. And I see it happening all the time. In many ways, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm so proud of our congregation at moments because I do see that happening in our midst. And I just say, yay and amen, let it continue more. And if you're kind of withholding yourself, I want to say jump in. 
jump in because this is where the real life is at as we are Jesus to one another. We have concern for one another. But the body is not this just mass of chaos of these parts being thrown together. And God, the body reality here is God has a created order in the body. Again, verse 27, Now you are, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Again, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're a part of this body. But there's structure, there's order, and there's roles of authority. Verse 28, And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. It's interesting how Paul puts together what I I think is really an ad hoc argument. First, he starts out with a list of three roles, per se, more than gifts. The first one is the apostle, which literally means a sent one. In this case, it was a one who was an actual eyewitness of Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. Sent with the gospel to proclaim it and plant churches, to have authority over the church and look over doctrinal purity. Paul, by the way, in this letter is seeking to remind them that, look, I am your apostle. Jesus sent me to you. I'm trying to keep you on track to what the real gospel is, Corinthians. I think... In its purest form, this, this office has disappeared with time because currently there are no witnesses of Jesus Christ. But I think we can use this, this title, one who is a sent one, as someone who is maybe a church planter or a missionary who's going to a people group who've never heard the gospel, who established a church there, maybe even a series of churches. But they're there to share the gospel. They are Jesus sent one. That's the best way I think that's happening today. Second prophets. And I think this gift is also much like the Old Testament prophets. Not just someone who spoke once or twice by God, but someone who is regularly displaying that God is speaking through them. And we also have to understand just time-wise, we have a full council of scripture they did not and that does not mean the gift doesn't exist but i think the office is not there anymore then teachers it's interesting the first this this gift has not really been listed earlier but i wonder if it's in conjunction with someone who has the a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge But those leaders in the church who are entrusted with the truths of the faith, whether they're elders or overseers or pastors or deacons or Sunday school teachers even. But there is a sacred trust. And this is what Paul will say to his his protege, Timothy. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Teaching the body of Christ is not just a willy-nilly office. It is a sacred trust. It's a serious charge. Eternity is in the balance. So we've got these first three offices, which I 
kind of say, I believe they're in order of authority. But then the list continues and it changes. And the order kind of seems to dissipate. And he lists just gifts themselves. He starts with then miracles. And then healings. And this is something we talked about last week. I'm, I'm not going to try and cover that ground. If you want to listen to last week's sermon, it's on, on the website. But these are gifts that were, were listed previously. But then he gets to gifts that are not listed previously. First of all, the one of, of helping. Helping what? Yeah, helping. Helping in service. Helping in encouraging. Helping in contributing. Helping in giving mercy. That could mean helping in ushering. Helping in Awana. Helping in the kitchen. But it's, it's, it's one member of the body serving the other members of the body. Being the servant of all. Just like Jesus when he stripped down and washed the, the disciples' feet. The next one is that of guidance which would be administration or leadership. This is the person that's trying to help get things organized, get the resources where they need to go. Both of these are service gifts. And probably the behind-the-scenes gifts that Paul was talking about earlier that he has in mind. And then last on this list is different kinds of tongues. Not because it was the least important, but because it was overly valued by the Corinthians as a mark of true spirituality. And I think Paul is trying to help us see what the real importance is. And Paul remarks to these gifts, he says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer to this rhetorical question is, no. No, we don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same function. We belong to the same body, but we don't have the same role. We don't have the same function. And to insist on this, again, dishonors the God who assembled the body just as he wanted, as he said in verse 18. So things are kind of wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow, aren't they? But then you get to verse 31. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Well, what are the greater gifts? We're going to talk about that. But I, I'm kind of going, Paul, you had it all wrapped up. Why are you opening Pandora's box again? Why? Body reality number six. Your current place in the body does not preclude you from growth. Your current place in the body does not preclude you from growth. You don't have to be pigeonholed in your current role. Maybe God has something more for you. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be overly ambitious, but it's like if God wants to grow you, he may take you from being Someone who takes the chairs and puts them away to somebody who teaches children's Sunday school, to teaches an adult Sunday school, and maybe God might call you into full-time ministry. I don't know. But let me tell you about Dan Reimer. Dan Reimer came to Christ in his 
mid-30s, really through a crisis in his marriage. And he knew he needed the Lord. And so he and his wife, Sue, put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went to this church in Appleton, Wisconsin. First, it was just, you know, they were content to sit in the back row. But then the youth pastor said, hey, why don't you come and work with middle schoolers? And Dan, who was a... Sorry. Dan, who was a computer programmer for, a, for an insurance company, you know, kind of a classic nerd... All of a sudden, he's hanging out with, with junior hires, with middle schoolers. And he finds out that he loves them. And so he's hanging out with them, working with youth ministry. And he grows so much that God, he's convinced that God is calling him into ministry. And so he sells everything. He sells his house, his cars, and he goes to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, my alma mater. Go Trojans. But here's the point. God grows him. God uses him, eventually calls him to be a youth pastor in North Platte, Nebraska, after a few other youth ministry gigs. And then suddenly the senior pastor resigns after a few years, and he's left holding the bag. And suddenly he becomes the interim senior pastor. And God grows him and uses him, and all of a sudden he is, he's taken a church that started out, and numbers are everything, but a church that started out as 200, and by the time he's done, it's 600. God grew Dan Reimer from a guy who used to be hanging out with middle school students to a senior pastor that was very effective. And if God wants to use you, he'll give you a holy ambition. An ambition not to raise yourself up, but an ambition to serve his body and to build it up with the right motive. And we're going to be talking about that right motive next week. Next week and next chapter. But if you are in Christ, you are in His body. And He has given you gifts. He has given you a role that only you can play. No one else. Because parts is not parts. Let's pray and then the worship team have you come and close us, please. Lord God, I thank you that you have just as you've made our body, our physical bodies, fearfully and wonderfully, you have made the body of Christ fearfully and wonderfully. And Lord, sometimes we get dysfunctional. We get so focused on what someone else has, we think we have nothing to offer. Would you give us grace to repent of that and have confidence in what you want to do? And Lord, sometimes we are guilty of pride where we look down on the gifts of others and we feel like we don't need them. Would you help us to repent of that as well? Would you help us to see that everyone has a role to play and we need each one desperately. And Lord, we want to be, we want to be the body of Christ in every sense of the word. So would you give us grace to trust you with the roles you've called us to play? Whether we're leading per se or whether we're following, Lord. Trusting that you are the one who has orchestrated this body and wants to work in it and through it. To your glory until kingdom come. So Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray these things. Amen.